The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the big stream. I am Liam McEwen here today with my co-worker Stephen Douglas and we return to discuss House of the Dragon episode six. It's a pivotal episode as we finally got the significant time jump that we were all waiting for. They traded actresses for actresses. People got older. A full 10 years has transpired since episode five. And that is where we will begin our discussion. There is a lot to consider when a show takes such a significant time jump, not to mention the fact that it happened in the middle of the season instead of at the end or beginning like most other shows. So, Stephen, how did you feel they handled the 10-year gap between episode five and episode six? I mean, sure. You know, uh, they changed the actresses. And that play the queen and the princess who are then that's the name of the uh, episode so yeah uh 10 years i i can't believe they spent all that time uh in the first half of the season setting up how sickly uh viserys is and then he just is an old man now i mean shouldn't there be like nothing left to him at this point um, I don't know. Damon has changed slightly. He's he's started a family um in a courtship that was uh brief to say the least. Um I, I don't know. I I mean, sure, they they definitely jumped ahead 10 years. That happened. Yeah, uh Viserys, you'd think he'd be dead at this point, but he's hanging in there with his one arm and you know we've been harping on the hair as a you know a marker for how how much his condition has been deteriorating and now he barely has any hair looks like he got hit with a dose of radiation or something it really does not look ideal uh in terms of the actresses i think i could you know physically i can buy that these are the older characters of the characters we got to know makeup department did a good job and I thought uh, Rhaenyra still had a lot of the kind of verbal tics and 
patterns of speech that uh, her younger self had. Allison's character was a lot different, but that was more of a function of how they decided to write her as opposed to any uh, downfall on the actress's part. Obviously, I don't. I would perhaps argue that no character has changed more than Allison, who was kind of you know last time we saw her was a little timid and dipping her toes, maybe a maybe a half leg into the pool of political intrigue. She was probably up to her knees by the end of episode five, and then now she's like full, you know, whole bodies underwater in the pool of the political intrigue side here. She's a player. Uh, my thing about the time jump is that it seemed inconsistent, I would say, on how they aged everybody outside of Viserys, Rhaenyra, and Allison. I mean, Sir Kristen Cole got a haircut, and that was basically the way that they indicated time had passed for him. Damon had a couple more wrinkles on his forehead, but we also only saw him looking horribly depressed. So, you know, that might be a function of the mood required for uh, for his character. But I mean, you know, otherwise didn't seem to put a ton of effort into it and we're just kind of like you know it's 10 years later i don't know with, with all with this with this big this big 10-year time jump and then the time jump that we also we had like the two-year time jump earlier in the uh season uh, i'm not really sure this is the most effective way i mean why not just start with the people at this age and do a couple flashbacks i completely um, agree put a little more meat on the bone i don't know why i'm I mean, like the, the crab feeder, there's going to be some stuff that just absolutely, if if this is where they're settling in for the rest of the season, and then it sounds like for next season, there's not going to be a big time jump. If this is where we're settling in, uh, we kind of just did like a separate five episode prequel, which kind of, I don't know if it was uh, needed. Um I don't know. Uh, I think it might just be shown to be kind of uh, worthless. Um, you know, we could have done and Game of Thrones, they did some some uh, flashbacks, you know, through Hodor and all that stuff. And that worked just fine. We didn't need a full five episodes of uh, baby Ned Stark. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how how uh, necessary it was as the uh as the seasons go by yeah i came away from the episode feeling fairly similar it sort of felt like they wasted a lot of our time for the first five episodes i get you know why they did it i i, well, I don't really i don't really <laughs> i don't see how they couldn't have written the show so that it started with everybody at the, where they currently are now and then they just feed us the information, whether it be flashbacks or whether just being told, as this show is fond of doing, like exactly what happened. Because the thing with these constant time jumps, and we talked about it after the first big time jump of two years, it really takes away a lot of meaning from what's happening. You know, I mean, the the you care about what happens to the main characters, but like, you know, let's take a couple of events from this episode, for example. Yeah, like, like going back... All this stuff that seems like it's it's coming to a head. There's this big conflicts are coming, and then it's just like yeah, ten years, and everybody was fine. Exactly. And then on the other side of that ten year thing, like uh, Damon's wife burned herself to death after she had the same horrible affliction that 
uh, Viserys' wife had in the first episode. I don't know why this the House of the Dragon creators felt that showing birth was the way to make it as gritty as previous editions of Game of Thrones, but I could do it less personally. But she killed herself via dragon fire. And that was a pretty big dramatic moment that I think was kind of a cool idea. And and if, you know, we had gotten to know her at all, then maybe it would have held more impact. But instead, it's one of those things where you kind of look up and you're like, wait a minute, what is she doing? Oh, she's she's dead. There she goes. And it's the same thing goes for Harwin Strong, obviously the father of the princess's sons and, you know, seems like he's important. And he, you know, he's just dead. And like, that was a shocking scene but it didn't have any meaning. And I guess that's where, I mean, that's just part of the, what that's what they did chose to do with the 10 year time jump. And it seems like they are attempting to overcompensate for the lack of emotional connection to these characters via shock as like the proxy like that, you know, they're like, if we make this crazy enough, then it'll mean something. Even if you don't give a damn about any of these characters, because they've been shown on screen like three times for the first, you know, over the first five episodes. Yeah, I mean, we basically, I'm not even sure what her name was. Um, she showed up as a child in the first episode, uh, Damon's wife. And then, like, last episode, all of a sudden, she was there, like, at the dance being like, hey, Damon, you're pretty cool, even though you're one of the worst people alive. And he's <laughs> like, well, you're pretty cool, even though I've got the hots for my niece and I just murdered my wife. And then 10 years later, they've got uh, a couple of kids. They've got more dragons. Um, and I mean, aside from Damon, Viserys, and Rhaenyra, and uh, Allison, I, I don't really know any of these people, I feel like. Um, and then I saw an article, it's like Game of Th or House of Dragons fans were up in arms because three fan favorites were killed off in this episode, and I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> They're not fan favorites. How could they possibly be some fan favorites? None of these people have done like a quarter of what like Littlefinger had done by episode five, where you're like, oh, well, he's kind of creepy and weird and funny. And I don't know. Um, so I'm just I'm I'm kind of excited to see these uh these super weird kids that they all have now. So and and see the various ways that they try and warm their dragon eggs. I um this is a big episode for boiling eggs. Um, so episodes for dragon and dragons at large, they've listened to my pleas. We got a little bit more dragons featured, even if they didn't uh, really do anything with them, but they, they were there. Yeah, we get and we got to a real good look at like uh, the dragon riders there. They have some very intricate seating arrangements on the back of their dragons. Like in uh, in Game of Thrones, Danny was just like hopping on and you know holding on to a couple scales, and she was fine. But I mean, these guys are like strapped down, like they're going on a ride at the carnival. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite quite an impressive contraption. It is legitimately interesting to learn kind of how they are bonding with the dragons, watching Rhaenyra's son make his way through that while he's relentlessly bullied by Aegon. The public masturbator things of that nature i mean the kids the kids are going to be clearly the kids are going to be kind of the crux around which the plot revolves for the last five episodes here you know acting like as the conduit through which alicent and rhaenyra conduct their conflict i guess maybe apparently rhaenyra's up and going to dragonstone so you know big question marks about how that's actually going to happen but 
the kids are pretty messed up. Yeah, I mean, Rhaenyra's kids seem kind of normal. I think, I believe Aegon is, in fact, the infamous Aegon the Mad, who ultimately brings the downfall of uh, the Targaryens. So they're doing a good job of exhibiting how fucking weird he is. And Joffrey Light, I suppose. But I, I guess that's one of the things that I am like legitimately interested in seeing, is they want Aegon to be like Joffrey. Like, the complete, utter piece of shit very powerful person who is going to do whatever he wants, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they did that so well with Joffrey in Game of Thrones that he was one of the most widely despised characters in television history, maybe. Like, everybody hated him, and everybody hated him a lot. And so, obviously, you know, they're trying to separate themselves from Game of Thrones, and they aren't going to do a one-for-one, but with the way that they've chosen to written the show so far, their big problem has been getting, like, having like, the audience establish an emotional connection to any of the characters who aren't Rhaenyra or Allison, essentially, and maybe Damon. I mean, Damon kind of seems like he's on the upswing now that he's depressed dad. Um, but that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a big project for them, is can they make Aegon into, I don't know, a hateable villain to the point that people keep coming back to watch to see what happens to him? Yeah, um, we've definitely got a a Roy Child thing going on. Um, everything is Succession, which is you know the the more fun, much more fun show. But uh, a lot like uh, Roman when he gets his office for the first time and he's uh, <laughs> masturbating in the window. Um, you know that's and just to have your mom standing behind you for uh, an uncomfortable amount of time. Um, but but when your aunt also wants you to marry your, I, I'm trying to figure out what the when, when she proposed when she proposed the wedding. I, I think it's a cousin. Yes, cousin. Yeah. But yeah. also, they have the same, the father and grandfather. So I think to the nephew, Allison's daughter is a cousin, but Rhaenyra, it's her stepsister. Yes, but this is but that but it's too weird for just regular old uh, uncle and niece like uh, with uh, Damon. Yeah, but it is nice that uh, Viserys seems to think everybody's just doing just trying real hard. He's like, oh well, that's a nice gesture that you want to marry your uh, niece and your nephew and your cousin, and he 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 will have nothing to do with it. And we go back to the uh, season one Game of Thrones thing, where like the only way to uh, do any sort of uh, paternity test is to look at the color of parents' hair, which is <laughs> it's so funny. Well, they brought the nose in this time around. Yeah, it feels like it feels like a new show, basically. It feels like we started the first episode of a brand new show going forward where we just happen to know a little bit more about the background than we would have otherwise. And I don't know, that's a weird feeling to have in episode six. Yeah, and and Kristen Cole's gone. He's the head of the Queen's Guard or whatever now. He hasn't aged much. And all of a sudden we're just like, and the Queen has babies with this guy who you may have seen previously in the series, but yeah, you that's some pretty remember. bad political intrigue on their part. Like I get that the that Rhaenyra and her hubby weren't, you know, on the same wavelength and so far as their preferred partners go, but like you couldn't figure something out to make sure that the kids were looked like him 
just to nip this very specific problem in the bud. I mean, fucking, well, that's a Game of Thrones problem, I guess, because Cersei did the same damn thing with all of her yeah. uh, Jamie kids. So I just think they need to get more creative in the bedroom personally, but that's another podcast <laughs> entirely. They need to get more creative in the bedroom. I'm sure that's been thrown around the writer's room quite a few times. <laughs> so poor Viserys. Um, he just he just wants to work on his model trains. And his wife will not let him. Uh, Allison has definitely become very Cersei-esque um, through the time jump. You know, that's that's probably the biggest change, right? Where she is just this, this hardened badass queen where all that matters to her is somehow getting one of her children on the throne. Yeah, I mean, the, she definitely underwent the most dramatic transformation. And it makes the show more interesting. And I think it makes her character a lot more interesting because it's like, she's like Cersei, but she's different because Cersei already had her kids on the throne. So her whole thing was about protecting that versus Allison, all of her energy is being poured into, you know, maybe emotionally abusing Aegon to ensure that he's ready for the throne and in the process causing the downfall of the entire empire which might be the only truly legitimately interesting like storyline that they have offered us so far like I'm, I'm, other than that we've got the implied conflict between Rhaenyra and Allison that will probably come to a head will it come to a head after a couple more time jumps will it come to a head next episode we have no idea and Damon just seems like a sad alcoholic, which he all, I think he always has been, but is especially so now. Viserys has got to die. Like, he has to die. So then he's going to be out of the picture. It's just... I don't know. I don't when know. will he die? When, what that, what that is could possibly kill this man? Are they going to milk that up until the last episode, and then we can finally get his funeral shit pops off, and then it's ready for season two? I would hate that. I would have a lot to say about that on this podcast. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. All right, so is it is Sir Loras is our new uh, super ultra bad guy? He is, he killed his father and brother. He had them burn alive. He has he has stepped up as the as the main villain. He has the queen's ear, and she, I think that it, it showed a little bit of she wasn't really sure what she was going to have to do to for her children to truly become heirs to the throne, the heir to the throne. And now she is in it much deeper than she was prepared to be. The thing about Laris is he he is unique enough. He has a look. He has the limp. He has he has a voice. So he is a character that we are going to be able to get to know and recognize, which I think is very very important in this show. As I mean, again, I I don't I don't remember how quickly I grasped who everyone was in Game of Thrones originally. But it's like, this is just a bunch of characters and I don't really know anybody's name. And, you know, I, I just there, I don't feel like they're doing a good job of uh, making anyone memorable. And then when they do, they're changing actors and actresses halfway through the season. 
or they just kill them off before they make you before they make you understand who everyone is exactly yeah i mean that's you know that's been a recurring theme in our podcast and then we mentioned it a couple episodes ago like i shouldn't need an encyclopedia to figure out what the hell is going on here back to laris for a brief moment he was kind of in my mind after i watched the episode the avatar of why the 10-year uh jump was not pulled off very well because he looked the exact same and you'd think that the guy who is physically handicapped would age a little bit worse than everybody else due to when this show takes place. And he looks he looks literally the same. Now I like him. I am excited to see what they do with him. I think he makes everything a lot more interesting. His whole, you know, way of getting followers by cutting off their tongues so they can't tell his secrets is pretty cool and fun. And he's clearly smart. Seems like he might have been trying to set up the master of coin at the very end of the episode because he had like the beetle pin on the guys who set the fires and the whole nine yards there. Uh, there's, I think he's going to be a very interesting catalyst. But again, just it's hard to really care about what's going to happen here. Like the fact that it feels like we're starting a new show means I have to like reset my investment meter almost because these are just a bunch of new people. And even if they're the same people, they're new actresses, just as you said. So, I don't know. When Viserys finally dies, maybe that'll kick things off. And it makes you wonder how important Damon really is going to end up being. I assume, I mean, knowing nothing, I assume he's going to lay down his life and sacrifice himself trying to save his beloved niece. Um, and then we'll never see Matthew Smith again until the next Prestige show shows up with uh english accents yeah i i just the the change of the actors and actresses i feel like um is i don't know it's just a little too much for this i think like i mean you have something like the crown where you go like season or two with one actress and then and then you ha you need them. You need somebody, and someone from a, a new age group. But I mean, the ten year jump just didn't seem. I mean, doing the two and the ten, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm sure that they'll just drag us right back in next episode. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I don't know. This show hasn't really grabbed me at all. Anybody who's been listening to these episodes of the podcast probably get the impression that Stephen and I fucking hate this show, and that's not totally true. We just have a lot of critiques about how it can be executed and what could be better. And right now there are more of those and there are things that we have no complaints about. And, you know, it, I mean, that the 10-year time jump is sort of the perfect example of that because we knew it was coming. They made it very, you know, they were very like out in front of it. They were like, after this so many episodes, they're going to change actresses. So it wasn't jarring. And it just wasn't done that well. It wasn't done as well as it could have been conceptually it's worth questioning how well it could have been it could have been done at all it's just uh it's it's like every time we start to get a little bit invested it takes a hard right in some regard this time it was the time jump last time it was how everything went down at the wedding it was just blah 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 one thing after yeah and and then it seemed like sir Kristen cole was going to get his uh head beat to a pulp like he uh like he did to the the prince's boyfriend last episode, and then he was just laughing by the end of his beating. Um, I don't know. Uh, just yeah, I, I 
I don't know. I just have so many conflicted feelings about this show, and they are just they're just not totally winning me over yet. Well, let me say this much in favor of House of the Dragon. Sir Kristen Cole has stayed the drama king of Westeros. This dude got rejected once 10 years ago and is apparently still raving mad about it. He's so pissed. He's so mad that the queen, who is like the number one person by his side right now, got offended on Rhaenyra's behalf when she insulted her because he went too far. Like, that's how salty this dude is, that the princess was like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather not abandon my throne and go just sleep with you for eternity. And then she said that they could still be together. They just couldn't, you know, leave the castle and go live out in the sticks with cinnamons and orange or whatever, whatever the <laughs> whatever the fuck he offered. Like, it, yeah, and, and obviously, obviously, they could have been fine. I mean, the her new guard is having babies with her. Yeah, uh, nobody get, cares. Yeah, no, the king doesn't care. The queen's pretty annoyed by it, but uh, apparently it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, once once Viserys dies, I guess I guess not until uh, Rhaenyra dies, will the true issues come with the color of the hair. The hair of black will will be a true issue. Well, the show gave us a built-in ranking method this week. Uh, we're going to rank this episode out of how many years. Out of the 10-year time jump, I would give this episode four years. I was not terribly impressed. Uh, I think they handcuffed themselves maybe a little bit unnecessarily with how they did it. And I'm still going to watch, but I am growing less enthusiastic about the prospect of this turning into a good show by each episode. And the fact that I'm still unsure by episode six says something. It's definitely not awful, but it's also definitely not great. Yeah, we'll be here because we're contractually obligated to be here. Uh, but it it does at times feel like a bit of a chore to get through this. Um, I I fell asleep watching it on Sunday night. So I had to go back on Monday night and finish it um my my wife's like oh just tell me what happened you know so i i don't feel like this is a super uh super endorsement for uh dragon house um so i would give this uh two out of seven uh pet dragon pigs and i will leave everybody with this one final thought is that this show feels like it is on the fast track to mediocrity that's what i i think that's where i'm coming down right now is that there isn't anything really stupid in the show that i can like yell and complain about for 20 minutes like i just did about Kristen cole and nobody is interesting enough or nothing interesting enough has happened to yell about it like i just did with Kristen cole if the one person that i get the most content out of out of like a 40 minute podcast is the guy who had maybe like 10 minutes of screen time this episode then things aren't going great but we will be back next week. Lara Strong is our seems like our only chance. A good villain. We Without hope. a good villain playing the Game of Thrones, we're screwed. We can only hope Lara Strong save us from the depths of mediocrity. I am Liam McEwen, and this was Stephen Douglas. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in to the big stream. Log on to the big lead for all of your latest sports and media news. We will see you next time.
Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.